looking forward to this time together. Um, we're going to finish our book of Acts this weekend, and I was thinking um, last uh, on Friday night it was another big playoff game for uh, the Perkins Pirates team. Um, my son is a Perkins Pirate, and uh, and uh, have you ever been to a sporting event? Maybe it was a football game, maybe it was a basketball game, maybe it was something you were watching, you know, from the couch, or maybe you were there in person, and there was either an individual on the team or there was a team as a whole, that they, they were just rising above everybody else, and you thought to yourself in a moment, man, they are just unstoppable. You ever had that feeling? Like maybe it was, maybe it was a, a running back on the team and it, it just didn't matter. You just give him the ball and he's just going to go. It's like it didn't matter how many people were dragging behind him, but he it was just unstoppable. Or, or that person that's, I mean, they just can't miss a three-pointer and nobody can do anything about it. And the other team's feeling like they're unstoppable. <laughs> it's interesting as we come to uh, the very last chapter, the very last paragraph, the very last sentence, actually the very last word in the entire book of Acts has to do with this idea of being unstoppable. And so I want us to go there, Acts chapter 28, it's where we're going to spend the most of our time this morning, and then we're going to kind of peruse and, and do a little bit of review of the entire book of Acts But in Acts chapter 28, the last two uh, verses really, it says, For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense, and he welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's this phrase, and no one tried to stop him. He was unstoppable. And actually, that phrase, no one tried to stop him, uh, is only one Greek word. The word is akalutos. And I know that doesn't really matter. But what does it mean? It means without hindrance. Unhindered. It's why the New American Standard version of those two verses that we just looked at put it this way, and he stayed with them two full years in his own rented quarters, was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching concerning the Lord Jesus, with all openness, unhindered. And what I see in these two verses, and truly throughout the entire book of Acts, which is a record of the movement of the early church as people were putting their faith in Jesus Christ, the one who had given his life and was buried, but then rose from the grave miraculously. And this was changing people's entire lives. And and what I see happening throughout the book of Acts and right here at the very end are two things that seem to be unhindered, unstoppable, both hospitality and hope unhindered hospitality, and unhindered hope. And I want us to think about those two things together while we're here today. The first one, unhindered hospitality. Look with me again at verse 30. It says, And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters. And it says, And he welcomed all who came to him. It's talking about the Apostle Paul. Uh, in, In fact, 
the strange thing is he's under house arrest, staying in his own rented quarters. I mean, he didn't even get like a jail cell provided for him. <laughs> like he had to get his own place at his own expense. I mean, forget, you know, cable TV in your room and three square meals a day. <laughs> he's running his own place at his own expense under house arrest. And yet it says he's welcoming all who came to him. That, that phrase, welcoming all, is, it's where we get our word and the concept of hospitality. It means to accept gladly, to welcome, to entertain with hospitality, to embrace. It's this warm, loving, caring, welcoming attitude and atmosphere. And the astounding thing is, Paul is doing this <laughs> while he's under house arrest. <laughs> like, if, if, if I'm under house arrest, I'm just, I'm just throwing a pity party. <laughs> I'm just complaining. I'm just whining. I'm just like, why did this happen to me? This is so unfair. But not Paul. Because he's living out an unhindered hospitality. <laughs> unhindered. And, and we see this throughout the early church, marking the lives of believers. Way back in Acts chapter 2, do you remember when we were there months ago and, and the Holy Spirit comes down and people's lives are radically changed and all of a sudden people from all walks of life, they start gathering together. It was, it was like the birth of the church of Jesus. And it says in Acts chapter 2, 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day. And then look at it. They met in homes. For the Lord's Supper, just like we just celebrated, they were, they were just getting together with one another in homes. They didn't, they didn't need a pastor to hand out the elements or anything. They just remembered Jesus together, and they were in their homes. They met for the Lord's Supper, and it says, and they shared meals together. Hospitality. With great joy and generosity. In fact, the text goes on to say, I mean, when they saw that somebody had a need, they just... They just provided for each other. In fact, they, some people sold possessions to, to help other brothers and sisters in Christ. Hospitality. It muttered way in act early church. And it, and it went on in an unhindered way. In Acts chapter 9 and 10, there's three different examples of hospitality occurring. And this wasn't even just a Christian thing. I mean, I don't know, people in that day, they were just kinder. They just were more... Welcoming. In fact, do you know that most scholars believe that when, when somebody came into a town, you know, they were traveling through and everything was by foot in this day, uh, people would just welcome anybody into their home to show hospitality. Anybody. Perfect. I mean, complete strangers. Uh, in fact, the scholar, Bible scholars say that it was tradition that when someone came into your village and when you took them in to show hospitality, that you waited until after they came into your home, after you had actually prepared some food and shared a meal with them, then you would ask them their name and where they were from. They led with deep love, care, hospitality. Now, when I think about hospitality, you know, I'm thinking, well, I don't know, light a candle, right? <laughs> I mean, 
put a plate of cookies out. Or truth be told, some of us, like, let's just be honest. So some of us, showing hospitality, it just means cleaning the toilets and making sure there's no Legos all over the, you know, all over the living room floor for people to step on, right? But, but, but hospitality in this day and age, and the hospitality that probably the Apostle Paul was even showing under house arrest, just went way over and above. In fact, they say that oftentimes when people were brought in to, sh- to give hospitality to, uh, oftentimes, again, perfect strangers, they would forge a friendship over that meal. And, they, and before that person left to travel on to wherever their destination was, oftentimes they would exchange expensive gifts with their hosts. And it was a sign uh, from the one that had been shown hospitality that if that person ever came through their village, they had a promise of protection and provision from that person, that if you come to my town, then you come to my house and we'll be there for you just like you've been there for me. Unhindered hospitality. Acts, uh, Acts chapter 9 and 10, there's three examples of it. Peter, he accepts the hospitality of Simon the Tanner in Joppa. Uh, Peter extends hospitality to a man named Cornelius's messengers. And then later, Peter accepts hospitality from Cornelius, who is a Roman centurion living in Caesarea. Hospitality just marked the life of the early church. In fact, Andrew Arterberry, he says this. He says, for most early Christians, the absence of hospitality would mean an absence of love for God and neighbor. They took it that seriously. So I wonder, like, how are we doing in hospitality? Are we unhindered in our hospitality towards others, or is there anything getting in the way? I was thinking, I was asking myself some questions. I mean, have I opened my house lately to someone that just needs some extra care and support? Or when was the last time we, we had the neighbors over or, or we did take a plate of cookie? I mean, just a small thing, right? Or how have I recently opened up my life to others? Because that's what biblical hospitality was. You, I mean, you were not just opening your home, you were opening your life, you were sharing. When was the last time we helped someone feel safe or provided for their needs? And what is it that might be hindering us from being more hospitable? Is it, is, it, is it our busy lives, our busy schedules? And man, we're busy, aren't we? I'm busy, you're busy. You know, you know who wasn't busy was Jesus. I mean, he was accomplishing so much. And yet Jesus, he would slow down for people. And Paul, even... Even as he's in a jail cell, or at least house arrest, he's thinking about others. He's unhindered in his hospitality. And it's this unhindered hospitality that I think opens then a doorway for the second thing, unhindered hope. All right, let's look at the text again. It says, uh, And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters. He was welcoming all who came to him. That's the hospitality. And what was he doing as he welcomed them in? Verse 31 says, He was preaching the kingdom of God. 
Paul, as people were coming in, and he was showing love and care, he was sharing with them about the kingdom of God. He was reminding people that uh, this broken, messed up world, this broken, sin-filled, often evil kingdom that, that we live in is not the only kingdom that is a reality. He was pointing to a kingdom that was yet to come and yet was coming in to our world. In fact, Paul wrote to the Romans and he describes what the kingdom of God is. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. Now, this is a bummer to me. Like, I just thought heaven and the kingdom of God, isn't it like a giant buffet where we just eat whatever we want and we can't gain weight? And Now, hey, there will be a celebration, and I do believe, because the Bible says there will be great feasting in the kingdom of God. But at the core of God's kingdom, he, he says it's not about eating and drinking. He says it's a matter of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. As Paul's unhindered in his hospitality, welcoming people in, caring for them, he's, he's sharing unhindered hope, the hope of another kingdom. The hope that, man, when, when, when the world around us seems so filled with dissipation and anger and hatred and evil, that it's possible to live a life of goodness. That's what Paul said the kingdom of God is about. That, that when, when life is filled with fears and anxiety, Paul would remind them, well, the kingdom of God is about peace. And, and when, when, when our lives are filled with sadness and there's plenty of troubles and trials that, that, that can weigh us down, it's possible to still have joy because when you live as a member of the kingdom of God, life can be different. And it can start here and now, and it will ultimately be fulfilled one day when Jesus, the king of the kingdom, returns. And that's why I think it says what it says next in the text. As Paul's opening his home and he's proclaiming the kingdom of God, it says, and he's teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered, unhindered hope. That's what Paul was sharing, a hope that's centered in the king of the kingdom, Jesus. You see, we read about Paul's conversion just a couple weeks ago. I mean, this was a guy who was going totally against Christianity. He was very religious, but he didn't believe in Jesus. And then he had an encounter with Jesus. And then his whole life became all and only about Jesus. Paul was the one that wrote, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Paul was so changed by Jesus. He said, I want to know him more and more. I want to know everything about him. I want to know the power, the joy of, of resurrection life. And, and I want to know Jesus so bad, I want to suffer. And, and here he is. He's, he's under house arrest, accused, uh, um, wrongly accused, being held really 
when he should, should have been free, and now he's suffering. But what is he doing? He's sharing unhindered hope again and again. And it's what we see happening throughout the entire book of Acts, unhindered hope. Think about to when we first began our study in the book of Acts. We looked at Acts chapter 1, and there's this incredible both proclamation and really promise that Jesus made in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. A witness to what? A witness to unhindered hope, the hope that, that life can come out of death, that Jesus rose from the grave, that our sins can be forgiven, that we can have a whole new life. And he says, you're going to be my witnesses and you're going to tell people about me everywhere. Nothing's going to stop it. It's going to be unhindered hope that you're going to share. Will there be hindrances along the way? Yes, but it's not going to stop you from being able to share the hope of Jesus. And he says, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, Jesus wanted this hope to be shared unhindered to the entire globe. And you know what's so cool in this month as where you know you came in and you probably see the the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes out on the tables, and I saw people bringing in some shoeboxes. Thank you so much for filling those with with gifts and, and and bringing them back. And there's still plenty of shoeboxes out there. This is a, listen. This is a small way to fulfill what Jesus called us to be and do in this world. He said, be my witnesses. Share this unhindered hope to the ends of the earth. You know, when you pack a a shoebox for a child, they get some gifts, but along with those gifts, they get an explanation about who Jesus is. And when they open those gifts, somebody will be there that loves Jesus that will be able to share with them why they're getting a gift. It's not just because they've been good kids, but it's because there's people on the other side side of the planet, that their lives have been changed by Jesus Christ. And they're sharing love and care and generosity with you because of the love and care and generosity that they've experienced from Jesus himself in their lives. So, so if you want to get engaged in that at another level and you've not grabbed a, a shoebox, man, grab one or two or five on the way out, fill them up, and then they all have to be back here November 20th. I know people have been asking, like, when do I still have time? I got a text the, the other day, like, oh, my gosh, I think I might have missed it. We weren't at church last weekend, and can I still get it to you? I'm like, oh, we're good. So next, uh, the 20th is the last time to get those. But as we, as we read on in the book of Acts, it's this under, unhindered hope that just continues to be shared. Peter's sharing hope in Acts chapter 2. It says, he said, he's preaching, he says, So let everybody in Israel know for certain that this God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And it says, And Peter's words pierced their hearts. This hope was unhindered. It was piercing hearts. Like it was moving people in the deepest places of who they were. And they're, they're like, Brothers, what, what should we do? They knew that something had to change. And many, many people gave their life to Christ. And they were filled with this same unhindered hope. In Acts chapter 7, remember I said before, it's not that there weren't hindrances. Peter literally is being martyred for his faith. It says, as they stoned him, literally were throwing huge rocks that would eventually take his life, 
he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And it says he, he fell to, the, to his knees shouting. And what was he shouting? He was shouting hope. Hope for the people that were killing him. He said, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Man, when they thought they were taking, taking Stephen out, he was unhindered, even in death, sharing real hope, the hope of forgiveness. In Acts chapter 8, there's this other huge wave of persecution that starts to hit the church. In fact, people are like scattered. They're running for their lives. And it says, but the believers who were scattered, what did they do? They didn't just go hide out and, you know, uh, stop t- saying things that could get them in trouble. It says they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Why? Because it's unhindered hope. <laughs> like, it, it can't be stopped. When your life has been changed by Jesus, like it had changed the lives of people in the early church, even though they were being persecuted and people were being killed for their faith and they're being scattered and going to new towns and villages, they continued to share this hope. You know, this is the hope that we're about as a church. The hope of Jesus, the hope of life change. In Acts chapter 12, Peter is imprisoned for sharing hope. And it says, but while Peter was in prison, what was the church doing? They were praying. And then there's this miraculous prison break. We, we read about it weeks ago. And, and the, the believers, they're almost dumbfounded that their own prayers have been answered. But then it says they became even more emboldened to share this hope, unhindered. In Acts chapter 13 to 20, that's where we've been over the last several weeks. We've been following uh, the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys And he's out sharing faith from town to town, village to village. I mean, and you talk about hindrances. I mean, there was persecution. There was prison imprisonment. There there, there were mobs of people that were plotting against Paul, trying to snuff out the message of the gospel. And yet, it's unhindered. It's unhindered hope. That brings us to Acts chapter 28. That's where we've landed today at the very end of this powerful book. And Paul is still sharing unhindered hospitality and unhindered hope. Remember, this is when, as he's under house arrest, it says in verse 23, so a time was set, and on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. It's probable that the, the house that he rented for himself, he, I mean, he spent, and he rented a big house with a big room. Why? so he could share in an unhindered way. And it says, uh, a bunch of people came to Paul's lodging, and he explained and testified about what? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of joy and hope and goodness. And it says, and he tried to persuade them about Jesus, the king of the kingdom, from the scriptures, using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets. And he spoke to them from morning till evening, like all day long. I'm going to finish up, I promise, in like five minutes. But all day long, Paul just shared this unhindered hope. And it says in verse 4, 24, and some were persuaded. Yes, some didn't believe, but some, their lives were radically changed forever. 
Why? Because someone was willing to live out unhindered hospitality. Even under house arrest, hey, come on in. I'm here for you. Because someone, even while they were shackled, said, it doesn't matter. I'm going to still tell about Jesus because he's everything. Unhindered hospitality and hope. So much so, when Paul, Paul actually wrote the book of Philippians from Rome while he was under house arrest, and look what he wrote to the Philippians. He said, and I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped me spread the good news. He says in verse 14, and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and they boldly speak God's message without fear, just like Paul had been. And now the believers are unhindered in sharing their hope. Nothing can get in the way of what God wants to do. Andrew Arterbury, he puts it this way. He says, the cross-cultural practice of hospitality provides an ideal vehicle for sharing the gospel with unbelievers and unifying the Christian church. Listen, if you're here this weekend and you're a follower of Jesus, take a step towards hospitality. Invite somebody over. Open up your home. Show care and support. I'm not saying you don't already do that. I'm just saying take another step. May it be even more unhindered in your life and in my life. And then don't be afraid to share the hope of Jesus that is changing your life. You know, Andrew Arterbury says that this is something that unifies the church. And, you know, today we gathered and we celebrated communion. And you know that there's places in the world where it's a lot more hindered to meet like we just have. We have so much incredible freedom here. I mean, uh, we can meet in our homes. We can have Bible studies. You can invite people over. You can, you can share your faith across a coffee table at Starbucks or wherever you might be. Uh, you, we can proclaim the news about Jesus here with great freedom, without fear. But there's places in the world today that Christians gathered in silence and in secret, and, and they, they had to smuggle communion someplace. And, and this weekend, we celebrate the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And as, as I've been thinking about this unhindered hospitality and this unhindered hope, I'm thinking about areas of the world where it's a lot harder to live in an unhindered way. Opendoors.org says that 360 million Christians around the world suffer high levels of persecution that just last year alone 5,110 Christian churches and buildings were destroyed. And that last year, and this is just the number counted, 6,000 followers of Jesus were killed for their faith. Man, we need to pray for the persecuted church. You know, as, as a church, the chapel, we, we have a footprint in India. India is in, within the top 10 list of persecuted countries and we've partnered with two ministries, one called Hindustan Bible Institute. And uh, they train pastors uh, to go out into these remote villages and share Jesus with people. And, and we support India Gospel League. We've adopted a village in India uh, that's planted a church now, and they have clean water now, and there's education for kids, and there's health care. 
Why? To show hospitality. Why? To share hope. Unhindered hope. And so today as we close our services, I'd just like us to pray. And let's pray for the persecuted church. And let's pray for the the church in America that has so much great freedom that we too would continue to live this unhindered hope and hospitality.